Chapter Twenty One of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter Twenty One The Trial of Burke and McDougall. Circumstantial Evidence. Hare's Account of the Murder of Dougherty. What he declined to answer mrs hare and her child the first witness called for the crown was james braidwood a builder and master of the edinburgh fire brigade who attested the correctness of the plan of the houses in wester portsburg prepared for use in the trial and which has been reproduced in this volume he was followed by mary stuart in whose house in the pleasance mrs dougherty's son resided and in which that unfortunate woman had slept the night before the murder she remembered the circumstances well the old woman was in good health when she last saw her in life but she had no difficulty in recognizing the body in the police office on the sunday following further she identified the clothing found in burke's house and produced in court as having belonged to the deceased charles mclaughlin a lodger corroborated this testimony the shop-boy of Rymer, the grocer in the West Port, in whose premises Burke met Dougherty, described what took place between them on the memorable Friday morning, and also mentioned the purchase by Burke, on the Saturday, of a tea-chest similar to the one in which the body had been conveyed to Knox's rooms. But the relationship between the prisoners and Dougherty was brought out by a neighbor, Mrs. Conaway, who related that she had seen the old woman in their house during the day, and that it had been explained to her by medougal that the stranger was a friend of burke later in the evening the old woman was in her house when they were joined by hare and his wife and the two prisoners a dram was going round and they began to be merry until at last some of them took to dancing in the course of this dougherty hurt her feet the company afterwards returned to burke's house and mrs conaway went to bed but heard no noise or disturbance during the night next day she went in to see medougal and missing the stranger she asked what had become of her when she was told that burke and her had been o'er friendly together and she medougal had turned her out of doors that she had kicked her out of the house the evidence of mrs law another neighbor was similar in effect with the addition that in the course of the night she had heard the noise of shuffling or fighting proceed from the house of the prisoners more to the point however was the testimony of hugh alston a grocer residing in the same property between eleven and twelve o'clock on the night of friday the thirty first october while going along the passage that led from his house to the street he heard a noise proceeding from burke's house the sound was as if two men were quarrelling but what most attracted his attention was a woman's voice calling murder he went towards the door and listened and he heard the two men making a great noise as if wrangling or quarrelling this continued for a few minutes and then he heard something give a cry a sound which seemed to proceed from a person or animal being strangled after this remarkable sound had ceased he again heard a female voice cry murder and there was a knocking on the floor of the house as he was afraid of fire alston went to look for a policeman not finding one he returned to his old stance but the noise by this time had ceased 
when he heard next night of the body having been found in the house the whole incident of the previous evening came back to him interesting as all this evidence was the testimony of david patterson keeper of the museum belonging to dr knox as bearing on what was termed the complicity of the doctors attracted more attention this witness gave an account of how about midnight burke called on him and took him to his house in portsburg to point out that he had a subject for him he identified burke mcdougall and hare and his wife as being in the house while he was there and he further stated that he had seen them the night after when he paid the two men an installment of the price of the body he was examined at some length as to the appearance of the body when he gave it up to the police and said the marks and the look of the face indicated that death had been caused by suffocation or strangulation while the general appearance showed that the corpse had never been interred he knew burke and hare and had often had dealings with them for bodies there were he knew people in the town who sold bodies that had never been interred and he had known gentlemen who had attended poor patients and who on their death gave a note of their place of abode and this in turn was handed to men such as he supposed burke and hare to be to get the bodies this was startling information to the bulk of the people of scotland but as has been shown in some of the early chapters of this work it was nothing new to a certain class of the population of edinburgh and other towns the succeeding witnesses were brogan mr and mrs gray and fisher the detective but as their evidence has been embodied in the account of the murder itself it need not be repeated here william hare was next brought forward and his appearance caused quite a sensation in court it was known that on his evidence and that of his wife the case for the crown principally rested and expectation stood on tiptoe to hear the account he would give of the foul transaction in which he was a prominent actor his position as an informer was peculiar and lord meadowbank cautioned him that whatever share you may have had in the transaction if you now speak the truth you can never afterwards be questioned in a court of justice but if he should prevaricate he might be assured that the result would be condign punishment the lord justice clerk further informed him that he was called as a witness regarding the death of dougherty and in reply to this he asked told woman sir he was then put on oath being sworn on a new testament having on it a representation of the cross a mode only adopted in scotland when the witness belongs to the roman catholic church in answer to the lord advocate he said he had known burke for about a year on the thirty first october he had a gill with burke and the latter then told him that in his house there was an old woman whom he had taken off the street and who would be a good shot to take to the doctor's from this word shot he understood that burke intended murdering her his evidence of the events up to the time of the quarrel around eleven o'clock was quite consistent with all that has already been related but his account of the actual murder is worthy of reproduction having described the fight during which the woman tumbled over the stool he said in answer to the lord advocate he burke stood on the floor he then got stride legs on top of the woman on the floor and she cried out a little and he kept in her breath did he lay himself down upon her yes 
he pressed down her head with his breast she gave a kind of cry did she yes did she give that more than once she moaned a little after the first cry how did he apply his hand towards her he put one hand under the nose and another under her chin under her mouth he stopped her breath do you mean yes did he continue this for any length of time i could not exactly say the time ten or fifteen minutes did he say anything to you when this was going on no he said nothing did he then come off her yes he got up off her did she appear dead then yes she appeared dead a wee did she appear to be quite dead she was not moving i could not say whether she was dead or not what did he do then he put his hand across her mouth did he keep it there for any length of time he kept it two or three minutes what were you doing all this time i was sitting on the chair what did he do with the body he stripped off the clothes he took it and threw it at the foot of the bed doubled her up and threw a sheet over her he tied her head to her feet while this was going on hare continued the two women had run into the passage and they did not return until all was over he then detailed the proceedings of the saturday as already described hare's cross-examination however gave rise to an animated discussion mr coburn senior counsel for mcdougall asked him have you been connected in supplying the doctors with subjects upon other occasions than those you have not spoken to yet the answer was no than what i have mentioned but the lord advocate objected to this line of examination mr coburn appealed to the bench and the witness was withdrawn while the question was being discussed he insisted he was within his right in putting such a question though the witness might answer it or not as he chose but it would be for the jury to judge of the credit due to his evidence after it was seen how he treated the question the lord advocate on the other hand contended that the caution given the witness when he entered the box precluded examination on any subject other than what was involved in the case they were trying authorities were again cited by both sides and after considerable discussion the judges pronounced an interlocutor declaring that the question might be put but that the witness must be warned by the court that he was not bound to answer any question that might criminate himself hare was recalled and mr coburn resumed his cross-examination were you said the counsel ever concerned in carrying any other body to any surgeon i never was concerned about any but the one that i have mentioned replied hare now were you concerned in furnishing that one asked mr coburn no responded the witness but i saw them doing it it is now my duty interposed the lord justice clerk addressing hare to state to you in a reference to a question in writing to be put to you that you are not bound to make any answer to it so as to criminate yourself if you do answer it and if you criminate yourself you are not under the protection of the court if you have been concerned in raising dead bodies it is illegal and you are not bound to answer that question now hare said mr coburn 
after he had repeated the judge's warning you told me a little ago that you had been concerned in furnishing one subject to the doctors and you had seen them doing it how often have you seen them doing it the witness thought a moment and then declined to answer the question was this of the old woman the first murder that you had been concerned in do you choose to answer or not not to answer replied hare after a minute's consideration was there murder committed in your house in the last october persisted mr coburn not to answer that was all the reply hare would give the rest of the cross-examination was confined chiefly to the murder of Dougherty, but Hare's original evidence was in no way shaken by it, and he was removed from court, still in custody. If Hare's appearance created interest in court, that of his wife caused quite as much. She was ushered into the witness-box carrying her infant child in her arms. The poor creature was suffering from whooping-cough and every now and then its kinks interrupted the examination, sometimes very opportunely, when the questions put required a little consideration on the part of the witness. Mrs. Hare's evidence contained only one point calling for special notice. That was when, after relating how she ran out of the house when she saw Burke get upon Dougherty, and returned to the house and did not see the woman, she was asked, seeing nothing of her what did you suppose her answer was i had a supposition that she had been murdered i have seen such tricks before this hint was not followed up but the remarkable fact about her whole testimony was that it corroborated with the exception of one or two points that of her husband there can be no doubt that they had conned their story together before they were apprehended for it was not likely they would have an opportunity of making it up while they were in custody be that as it may their evidence was wonderfully alike the evidence of the police surgeon and of the medical men who made an examination of the body was next taken up and it all tended to show that death had been caused by suffocation or strangulation the result of violence and not of intoxication the reading of the prisoner's declarations concluded the case for the prosecution, and no evidence was brought forward for the defense. End of chapter 21